everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. This is an all-Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics, and every week we interact with our amazing listeners, and Danielle's going to tell you all about it. No, Chris Egan's going to tell you all about it. Oh, uh, yeah, so this is a Hellboy Book Club where we sit down and we read all of the issues and omnibuses and trades and all the crazy things in between. And then you guys read it and you guys talk about it and then we talk about it and something like that. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Hey, it's Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Book club member. That's right. Thank you so much, Christopher, for your awesome interview on our debriefing episode. Go back and check that out if you haven't. we got to have Christopher back on the episode again. That'd be great. Um, So we're going to be talking about imbibing alcohol. And if that's something you can't handle right now, that's totally okay. We support you in your... Uh, sobriety. We just want to say if you if you can handle it, you can take the shots with us with fruit juice or water or whatever you've got in your fridge, whatever your favorite little non-alcoholic beverage is. That's totally great. And if you feel like you can't handle it, uh, John's going to put in time codes for you so that you can still enjoy the episode yeah. without having to listen to us uh, do that. And so we support you and on with the show. Yeah, thank you. If you check the show notes of this episode, I'll put in all those time codes. Time codes are good. So I did want to mention, uh, I did want to wish one of our listeners well this week. Some some well wishes. There you go. Well wishes. I heard from A.T. Johnston this week. A.T. Johnston. Book club member. That's right. Yeah. You know, A.T., he's been not only a great book club member, but also an awesome friend. He was also on our debriefing episode, Actual by the way. Actual friendship. Actual friend. Yeah. He yeah. sent me the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I don't know if we talked about yes. this back then. You actually read yeah. some of it out loud to me. It made me want to read the My whole favorite thing. scene in the <laughs> yeah. book is when Victor Frankenstein confronts the monster after... You know, people have already been killed over it and everything. Yeah. Dr. Frankenstein, Victor Frankenstein is like freaking out and all this stuff. And then the Frankenstein's a monster or <laughs> as everyone else fucking calls him, Frankenstein is is just very like, you know, calm and, and descriptive and very like, yeah, it's, yeah. it was it was it was excellent. So, yeah. yeah. We sent AT a little care package also, we so did. I feel like we have yeah. some actual. We really we've made a lot of actual yeah. friends. Yes, yeah, exactly. This show. He He's, sent me um he sent me a map that uh, you framed for me. I framed that, yeah. Some really nice art, yeah, yeah, of his original stuff. I was thinking about him because he lost somebody really important to him yeah. this week, and he messaged me about it, and he said that you know he was at peace with it, but he realized well, that hard, if he were, someone. yeah, he said if he re- he realized that if he were in need of some support and he reached out to us that we would be there for him. Yeah, of course. And he said that's something you've manifested through this amazing hub of friendship that is the Hellboy Book Club. So thank you for being so amazing and real. All of you, please have a round for Old Murray. Absolutely. We will do that right now. Yeah. So I thought that we would actually do that. So yeah, here we go. Cheers to Old Murray. Old Murray. We love you. He got A.T. his first uh, witchcraft and demonology encyclopedia. Very important. Very so important. So there you go. Without Murray, we wouldn't have A.T.'s awesome friendship and book club membership. Oh, so goodness. thank you. Yes. I just want to say also we're not like mental health professionals. So if you do feel the need to right. reach out to an actual mental health care professional, we will support you through that journey. Yeah, and I appreciate AT sharing that. Absolutely, I feel yeah. like we've really crafted some real friendships on the on here. You know, we've celebrated the births. Of Ryan Yule and Wes Matisse's right. kids, yep. and we've mourned people that we've lost we sure in the community. And so, 
I guess I just want to say that it's good to have each other. It's good to reach out when these things happen. It's good to get help. You know, Matt mentioned seasonal depression recently. Right. And it's been nonstop raining in Houston for the last few weeks. And so it's just good to reach out and take care of your mental health, guys. And, you know, send a message to the damn book club. Yeah, absolutely. We're all family at this point. You mentioned it nonstop raining. Like, for me, I'm thinking, about, oh, this is great for the the garden and the yard and stuff. And I know that some people really struggle with that. Whereas, like, for me, when it's just nonstop, like, weeks on end of just nothing but scorching heat, I'm just like, oh, will it ever end? And so I think it's like, no matter what sets you off, like, always, you know, reach out to people if you're if you're feeling like you're not a burden. It's cool. You can reach out. Yeah. Yeah. And I love all you damn guys. Much love to AT and his fans. And you know what? I miss Case. I'm gonna say it. Still miss yeah. that guy. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It, it's good to talk about this stuff, yeah. and it's good to remember, you know, the people that we've lost. Yeah. And going along with all that, you know, make sure to check out all of our friends, our friends over at Mike Mignola's Art on Facebook. Check out the Mignolaverse subreddit. Go read some of Mark Tweedell's excellent articles at Multiversity.com. That's right. Follow all of our artist friends, including Ross Radke and Matt Strackbine at Comic Milagro Kickstarter on July 5th. Yes. Right? Ooh, nice. <laughs> and John, John, John. They're never gone as long as we remember them. There you go. <laughs> yes. Check out Craig McKnight over at MuffinButGoodVibes.com and download his kick-ass song. It's a really good song. <laughs> would you would you describe a reggae song as kick-ass? Okay. Maybe. Or is there a more mellow term you could use for that? Give me, uh, Give me something. Uh, check out his boss. Check out his boss track. <laughs> <laughs> he's like on the D- nose. He's like a DJ from the 1950s. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, let's all support each other. Yes. That's the good stuff. I'm poking fun, but no. I mean, everything that you're doing creative-wise, we support you. Go for it. We love it. I've got some shouts-outs for this week. Shouts-outs. Shouts-outs. Continuing shouts-outs for Matt and Ross at Comic Milagro. I'm going to mention it again. This week's reading really got me pumped up for some luchador fighting madness. It's right? very synchronous. Yeah. It's very like it. It really ties together That's so cool well. It's kind of right? weird. Yeah, the reading order like tied into it's their kind Kickstarter. Of intensely weird. <laughs> I, was, I love it though. Yeah, when I was reading the story, I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy." It's a little <laughs> yeah. bit of synchronicity, a little tiny bit. I've actually been able to take a sneak peek at their Kickstarter. I don't know if I should Ooh. say that. Uh, I've already seen all the reward it. tiers, and I'm already like, "Hmm, mm. I think I'm going to be at this tier." Oh. This is how much money I'm going to throw you down for this. this so. Are you allowed to say that? Yeah, so <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to take a look at it and get in on the goods. Follow those damn guys for more teases and info. And I always link whoever we talk about in the show notes, mm-hmm. right? So, oh, do you do um, that? Yeah, so if you go... What's the show notes? What's so that? I use the iTunes podcast app, Same. and on there you just hit details on the episode oh, okay and there you can find all of our handy links on, and our time I'm on codes the show. And all i didn't that even stuff. know this that's good that's no that's you good can, so you hit you, details and it, it tells you the time codes and the and you there can will link be all the links all the links that you talk about you okay can follow all of our friends there that's you great. can also just kind of scroll up if you have it on the thing and cool. it'll be all right there too there well, you go you know good job it's it, uh, my well-known policy of never listening to this show is um, <laughs> I also want to shout out Drew Campbell. Hey, Drew Campbell. Book club member. That's right. Over in the corrections department, I like to call it. Excellent. I, I love a... corrections department. <laughs> Correct us. If you, if Please you do. see or hear something that's that's going wrong, let, I actually us, know. Had let a, us know. I actually had an error in the last show notes, and he pointed it out to me. And so, thank you, Drew. I always, I want to thank him on air because 
Um, I want people to point those out so I don't look stupid. Um, there was one time that Wes Matthias was well, it's like, useful, it's helpful." He was telling me all of our episodes were scrambled on iTunes, right. and I was able yeah. to fix it, so that way it didn't look like that anymore. So anyway, Wes thanks again, guys. Thanks, guys. Book club member, That's right? Yeah, Book club member. Sorry. No, but yeah, seriously, you should absolutely let us know when things are out of place. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate that. I have a shout out. Oh, oh shout out from Aubrey. Shout-out. There we go. Okay. Uh, so, do you remember uh, when you were telling us about the Lawrence Campbell prints on his website? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I went ahead that night and bought one. I got the one. It's the nice. this boy, this monster, the um, the, the homage to uh, Jack Kirby. Oh, excellent. Uh, yes. But when he came it's a good in, good one. Uh, when he came in, there's a little post it note and he drew a little Hellboy on it and it says, Hey, Aubrey, book club member Lawrence. Oh, look at and that. And I was like, Holy <laughs> fucking <laughs> shit. Oh, he book put club book club member. member. Lawrence oh. Campbell wrote book club member. Lawrence oh, Campbell on a picture of Hellboy book club member. I don't know what else to this say. This is super cute. So, this uh, is a thing uh, now. I will uh, post that on uh, the uh, well. Yes, I'll send definitely. It to John, you John will post it. John yeah. is a social media guy, but uh, yeah, yeah. We'll get it this is great. This <laughs> that is was excellent. so cool, Aubrey. Thank that you for so sharing cute. that. That was awesome. Aww, yeah, Campbell. I, I ordered one of those prints too. That's very sweet and thoughtful. The little personal touches. Yeah, are so great. That's amazing. That's excellent. He knew it was you. Yeah, I know. He that's saw your cute. name and he said, wait, that's the guy. That's the guy. Right? <laughs> I mean. That's sweet. Th- I know there aren't very many Aubrey Lovelaces out there. Like, uh, I know there's at least one other. Well, that's because <laughs> wow. Lawrence Campbell's a book club member. Yeah. Yes. So. And if he listens to the show, he probably heard us talking about that print. Oh, that's oh, no. true. <laughs> well, I love that print so much. And so I was super excited. Um, I just get a weird feeling that it's like like parallel to deja vu but not quite right you know what i mean like it's weird everything is like coming together in a weird way it's neat oh did i I, you can cut this part out but did i tell you what number it was out of 100 what number was oh no 69 69 nice nice i'm gonna leave that in the episode (laughs) okay all right and now we're gonna go on to our listener feedback oh excellent you read a story we talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out, treats and fly. You got a hey damn guys from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell, book club member mm-hmm. and sometimes co-host. Let's That's, get him back on the episodes. We yes. absolutely should. Okay, so I enjoyed all the 1955 stories, but I do have an issue. Uh-oh. In secret nature, Woodrow was looking for a verified cryptozoological specimen in the wild, something that would be huge for him. Then occult intelligence kicks off and he's already discovered a bunyip. I know we don't need to see everything, but in this one case, I wanted to see his joy and success. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I mentioned yeah. that when we talked about it. I was like, wait, does that mean that he actually did find something? Right, right. It was a shame this moment simply became a footnote in a story otherwise entirely divorced from the subject matter. <laughs> right. I love that. That's what gets his hackles up. Oh, man. It's a very Mark Tweedle thing to say, and I love it, and I'm here for it. I appreciate it. The highlight was burning season, though. The ending of that story was so powerful with Hellboy choosing not to fight. Yeah. Right on. I love yeah. that panel where he's like, I get it. You're angry. Yeah, he just excellent. lets the that's fire excellent. go out. That's, and that's so cool. For something that like Hellboy typically... Is like all right, bub. Sure, scrapping and all this stuff. There are a few times where he decides not to. It reminded me of when he found the guy in the oven, and he was like, "Hey, man, oh, Oh, the double boy, yeah, darkness call." He was like, "Great job, it's cool, it's cool." You know, like we're you know, let's just let's just chat. We're bros. I love that. I like that he knows when to talk it out and when to be like, "All right, this is not." And it obviously, I mean, we did the commentary for the movie recently. 
And he was like, hey, you know, like, what if we could just skip this and not do it? And he's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> damn it. And he gets, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that's very, that gets to the heart of the character. Sure. Though, he's, I love that. He would love it if he didn't have to, but he will. So, no, that's good stuff. I love that you pointed that out. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And as for 1956, I was having a chat to Mike Mignola years back about Hellboy in Mexico. And what? I, I want to know. I want to <laughs> know about this drop chat. That in. Okay, okay. I want to know about right, this right. chat casually with Mark Tweedo and Mike Mignola. <laughs> and I remember saying I felt like there was a bit of the story missing. The reason Hellboy spends five months drinking, it's like someone close to him had died. And Mike got really evasive and changed the subject. And now I know why. Oh, Mark Tweedo, Mark he was Tweedo. on the level. He yeah. knew, man. He, was right he knew there. where the story was going. But that's the thing is that when you care about a character and it it has such an impact on you, and you care about the stories, yeah. and you're really involved, and you're, you know, nothing gets by him, right? And so. Yeah. I can only surmise, I can only assume, if I were a creator and someone had hit so close to home, I would feel so excited and proud of myself for creating a character in a world that had branched off to other people and creators doing it and to, for, to reach so many people on such a personal level for him to say, ah, well, but what personally affected, he must have had some sort of line for Mike Mignola to be like, ah, he's on to me. <laughs> <laughs> he hit the nail on the head. He got it. You know, like that's, that's, that's wonderful. That's awesome. I think that's beautiful. That's I a great that. little anecdote. Thank you for sharing that with us. So. Awesome. Always great to hear from yeah, you, Mark. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Uh, we got a message from Mr. Rama versus Comics. Mr. Rama versus Comics. Book Club member. Yes. Uh, he posted this question to us and to Mark Tweedell. He said, out of everyone on here, y'all are the two I respect the most when it comes to Hellboy knowledge and discussion. Wow. Thank oh. you for that. I'm I'm excited to be included with Mark Tweedo in any sentence. You know yeah. what? That's that's a big compliment to you, John. Yeah. Yeah. Has there ever been any LGBTQ representation in Hellboy, comics or otherwise? Huh. Yeah, so I thought we'd talk about this. I mean, I know what the answer to this is, obviously, but do you guys I mean, you've read through everything. Do you re- recall any references? To me, it always seemed very, like, subtle. Like, this could very well be if you wanted, like, almost anyone could be bi. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or pan or or, or non-binary. So a lot of it I is feel. very unspecific. Sure. Right? And yeah. I, I, you know, yeah, I, there's I, nothing that's in your face super specific, but I kind of like to, I'm the sort of person who will just insert that, like, you know what? That guy's gay. Or that guy's <laughs> non-binary. Or that guy's have, I have headcanon. Right. I have a lot of headcanon. Sure. But I don't know what's been confirmed. What about you, Aubrey? So... I don't want to sound like an idiot or something, but I, I've never actually thought about it. To me, I've just been more about like what what's the stories of like the monsters and sure. you know, right, yeah, yeah, and you know all that kind of stuff and any type of sexuality, whether it be on any, has always just kind of been like never been really that in the forefront of what I want. Right, to do it's story. not except, prominent in the story in e- and of itself, except for like I guess with like Liz and Howard towards sure. the end, um, and I guess a little bit with. Um, Hellboy and Anastasia. Right, <laughs> sure. Sorry. In that book that we read. Oh, yeah. Anastasia, my bad. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Get some hot stuff in there. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were to tell me, like, any character was any sure. orientation, I'd be like, okay. That's, that's fine. I, right. <laughs> how, how do they fight monsters? Status <laughs> and identification doesn't yeah. really come up a lot, yeah. I guess, in um, stories. But I did want to answer his question, and I did answer sure. it on Twitter, and then Ross and Mark also chimed in. Excellent. So, um, in BPRD Hell on Earth, The Exorcist... Ashley Strode is she has a scene where she's picked up another woman from the bar. Right. Oh, okay. And and they're in the hotel room together talking about 
she's like what are you working on and she's like oh this weird thing she tells her a little bit about her mission yeah no i remember this oh, right I remember so that too, yeah. there was that and then um, i don't remember i don't know if you remember in the chapel of moloch that's a hellboy story drawn by mignola about the artist yeah, yeah. and he mm-hmm. creates the statue of moloch well the artist has a boyfriend Okay. In okay. that story. Oh. So. Um, did we talk about this? We, I think we did talk did about we? it. I don't remember, and I don't listen to any of the episodes, so. And then in the Abe Sapien series, one of their little crew, remember they had Diana and all their group, there yeah. was the little girl. Um, one of their group members was transgender. Excellent. And they oh, mentioned wonderful. that a couple times. Um, it was it was very briefly mentioned, I think, once or twice. That's and great. It, it was yeah. just one of the characters in there. Sure. It wasn't. It was just one of their group. a huge deal about it. Yeah, it wasn't a huge deal about it. Those were the only ones that we could think of collectively between uh, me, Mark Tweedo, and Ross, us nerds, putting our heads together. Well, those are the things that are canon that were explicitly outlined to the reader. A lot of these stories and these characters easily lend themselves to, unless it's explicitly stated that that's not the case, you could very well just kind of lose yourself and get into that and project that onto the character, and it would be... The same story, but just with that element to it. So I, I do kind of like that about a lot of these stories. Like, unless it's explicitly stated, you could just kind of be like, whatever yeah. with it, you know? Yeah, I thought that was a cool question, though. That I, was I wanted a great to question. Yeah, yeah, I was like, hey, you know, what is the representation? What's the canon books? and yeah. what's really there and what's really explicitly stated? So that's good. I'm glad there yeah. was some. Absolutely. <laughs> no, great. One that's of the BPRD agents, yeah. you know? For sure. Yeah. For so sure. that was all right. We totally. had some feedback on Hellboy and the BPRD burning season. Koch Matri on Instagram said... Koch Matri. Book club member. Mm-hmm. It's a pleasure to see Hellboy with muscle legs. Yeah, you know how he gets all his clothes burned some off? Some leg muscles oh, yeah. going. You know, yeah. that's, a, that's a testament to Paul Rivera. You know, in the sketchbook section, he talked about... He made a computerized 3D model. Yeah. And he turns it around right. and shadows it in different ways to draw Hellboy... Yeah. And so, yeah, he draws all the muscles and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, great job. He is a little top-heavy. So. Oh, yeah. He usually has little spindly legs. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> right. In the animated, for sure. We'll be talking about that soon. We I mean, also... it's, not, it's not all his fault. Yeah, It's yeah, kind of yeah. just the way that his he design. is built. What can you do when you have a giant stone hand, right? I mean, yeah, he's You're gonna a be demon. Top heavy. It's not his fault. <laughs> right. We also heard from Rom TV. Hey, Rom TV. Book club member. Yeah. When I posted Hellboy fighting the fire monster, he said, wow, Hellboy versus Nusku. Fuck yeah. Okay. And I was like, okay, I got to look I gotta look this up. So Nusku is in Babylonia and Assyria, the symbol of the heavenly as well as the terrestrial fire. Dope. Oh, nice. So I was like, cool. So, But uh, but Jiang actually mentioned, she said, it's not a god or a demon, it's the land. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think it could have been Nusku, but I love that somebody just saw a fire monster on Instagram and said, oh, that's Nusku. Wait, but you said terrestrial. So a fire. Oh, so if it's the land. A terrestrial fire, excuse me, you literally just land. said the word terrestrial. Yeah, yeah. So like. It could have been. But And if it has, if it has uh, sentience, it's going to yeah. be somewhat quote unquote heavenly. Yeah. Or a different translation of that. Oh, so maybe Rom TV is actually absolutely right. Okay. I love that. Add it to the discussion, book club absolutely. member. Absolutely. We also heard from Forgotten Moon. Hey, Forgotten Moon. We didn't forget you. Book club member. Yeah. I posted Hellboy in Bongo Land. Everybody loved the <laughs> Hellboy in Bongo Land. I posted the side by side of that good. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. That's awesome. That was a good one. And Forgotten Moon said, I would love to see Hellboy visit the house on the rock in Wisconsin. 
Okay. So I had to look this up. For over 60 years, the House on the Rock has been a majestic work in progress and began in 1945 when a man named Alex Jordan had a towering goal to build a man-made retreat as awe-inspiring as the view from the rock. Oh, I've seen this. No, I've yeah, seen this. Yeah, so on the it's internet. actually yes. built on like a cliff, yeah, like on a, I've seen a this. tower of rock. It's impressive. It's amazing. This guy just decided to do this thing and it's amazing. And you can actually go visit it. So it's got like three separate tours. It's the attraction, the actual house on yeah. the rock. Then there's an inn and then there's like a fucking resort. So cool. I was like, I want to fucking go to Wisconsin. This guy just had like a vision. He was like, going to do this thing. Amazing. Yeah. So it would make the excellent backdrop for a Hellboy story. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That Absolutely. Would be awesome. Yeah, so, definitely. The House on the Rock. Good job. I love that. Yeah. Really cool. When I posted the ruins of Bongolan, we heard from Jules Oliveros. Jules Oliveros. Book club member. Yeah. He said, wow, that's an actual place. Amazing. And the details in the artwork captured the weathered look of the installation, too. Yeah. Yeah, I love that Rivera actually, you know that he actually, like, researched what those dinosaurs <laughs> look like because <laughs> yeah. it's exact. Uh, it was really great. It's good stuff. Uh, we also heard from uh, Ryan Yule. Ryan Yule. Book club member. Oh, yeah. He said, here is my recent commission by Mike Norton. You are correct in assuming I asked for Hellboy in Mexico because of Mike's work in 1956. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. I requested Hellboy and Esteban, and Mike took it a step further with Camazot. Oh, oh awesome. Wow. Yeah. Nice. And Camazot's. Ryan shared that. So um, by I the time you're listening awesome. to this episode, I'll have posted it on our social media for all of you guys to check out. And if you missed it, you can just go check us out on our Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing that. That is so cool. I'm glad that I predicted that, that I was like, I wonder if this is why Ryan asked for that commission. Ah. <laughs> I was totally right. We also heard from Comic Book Burnout. Comic Book Burnout. Book club member. Yeah. Book club member, man. He said, how are the other Hellboy 1950s books? So I thought, you know, we're actually at a a bit of occasion here because we're kind of getting caught up on the 1950s series um, to where it it kind of leaves off. And uh, But remember, the 1950s series started with that Alex Maleev artwork. Yeah. Remember we talked about that scene with the alligator and the native and the parrots and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we got introduced to Asian Jang and all that stuff. And Archie, what have you guys have thought of the 1950s series so far? Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, this is also like all the stuff that's like uh, with the in the, like the atomic age when yeah. you see Hellboy go on his first mission and him kind of starting to become into his own as an agent. Uh, you get yeah, to have fun cool. with like the clothes and the haircuts and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been enjoying it. I really like the characters. The language, you know, the I respond. Settings. I responded to that comment, and I said that I thought the artwork was yeah. worth it alone, yeah. just because the Paulo Rivera stuff has been incredible in the 1950s series. But I love the characters, and I'm excited to see where it's going. Like, I guess we'll talk about this a little more when we get to the end. But like, they hint at a 1957. Yeah, I oh. mean, they hint that the story is not over. Oh yeah, and like. It hasn't come out, to my knowledge. Like, I'm still getting the single issues, and I, I don't think that stuff has come out yet. But you get to fill in all of that, like, ah, Hellboy's back yes, story in his yeah. past. And all the other little characters, all the other ancillary satellite characters in there have little things going on, too. Little adventures. and it's Lobster also, Johnson. It's also nice to see, like, the BPRD at a time before the apocalypse. That is true. Right, yeah. You know. That is true. This is not what you asked, but I'm a big fan of like all of the uh, Edward Gray shit. Big, the Witchfinder like, stuff. Witch yeah. yeah. I'm a huge fan of the Witchfinder stuff, and I didn't think I was going to be. I was like, what's this? But 
started reading and I was like, I'm super into this. I love it. Man, the last three Witchfinders that we read, yeah. I forgot. Uh, Gates of Heaven, Reign of Darkness. There was one before that, too. Oh, uh, Land of the Dead. Yeah. Man, yeah. those were fucking great. Oh, oh, yeah, they really were. It's all good. And to know where Edward Gray ended up, like, to me is... I don't know. It's just something about that. Though. One of the standouts. Yeah. Damn. yeah. You know, um, it, it, it's uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was I was going to talk about this. We're about to go into our book club episode for the week. But before we get into there, I did want to kind of do a little bit of a celebration because, you know, this is kind of monumental. We are getting to the last of the collected stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so as of today, June 3rd, what Fourth. is today? June 4th. Yeah. June 4th, 2021. We've actually read everything that's been collected so far. So everything in an omnibus, everything in a trade. Yes. Wow. There are obviously okay. more Hellboy stories that are uh, coming out. Um, there are more single issues that have come out. Young Hellboy is coming out. I think that's going to be collected in a nice little hardcover, like the Midnight Circus. Okay. But as of the collected stuff, like we are caught up with the canon, baby. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. Amazing. Wait, so we started in what, August of 2018? I think July. Oh, wow. wow. So July it's just, of it's 20, just single the issues end of now. July. And so, uh, yeah, wow. So, that's intense. Yeah, and we have more that's stuff. Three to, years. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been about three years and 141 episodes. And so I thought this was really important to celebrate. And so, you know, we're going to be talking about some Hellboy in Mexico stuff anyway on this episode. So I thought, hey, let's do another little celebration let's here. Let's do that. So do let's it. do it. We're loving it up. So anyway, here we go. Touch your glass on my glass and now we're friends. Friendship. Yeah. Woo. All right. Yes, book club Ooh. members. How about Fuck, it? Man, I can't believe <laughs> <How> about it. <laughs> it. It it feels like we accomplished something. <laughs> it really does. You know, yeah. I talked about this a little bit when we sure. did Devil You Know, but I feel like that's a set right there. Yeah. You could go, hey, here are all the comics, and here's 141 episodes of Three Nerds Talking, and it covers all of it. Well, all the friendship <laughs> along the way. Maybe, yes. the real, maybe the real Hellboy book club was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> it yes. really was. It really was. <laughs> There's, I mean, they're the reason why we have such a great show, and they've corrected all the stupid things that we've said and mispronounced it's over the years. It's not even so much so. about the sh- like. <laughs> I've never really felt like it's a show. I've always just felt like I'm reading Hellboy comics, talking to my friends. That's what it's about. Yeah, and uh, they've also um, contributed all their insights and you know increased our knowledge That's of everything. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right, and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. This week, we're continuing our discussion of Hellboy and the BPRD 1956. Is that what we're doing? We're reading issues four through five today, which were published from February to March 2019. Written by Mignola and Chris Robertson, illustrated by three different artists who share the same issue. This was kind of cool. I've had a chance to look at the sketchbook already, so I didn't notice this. Um, we have Mike Norton. He's doing the quote-unquote Hellboy part of the story. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Michael Avon Oming is doing the quote-unquote Russia Vavara part of the story. And Yishan Lee is doing the Asian Jiang part of the story. Nice. So that's how they've kind of divided up the, the – we talked about it last week. Like, how do they divide this up? But now I kind of see it. It's the different scenes involving those characters. Colors by Dave Stewart. Letters by Clem Robbins. And edited by Katie O'Brien. We've got another amazing cover by it's a Dave great Johnson. Cover. Love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I've always loved his covers. The um, painterly really cool. quality and the texture and everything. Like th- those are some excellent Photoshop skills. Yeah, really nice. It's amazing. It's still a painting. That's something that always like, you know, you could draw some little bullshit with like a pen and pencil. And I was like, oh, you drew that. But if you spend like twelve hours painting something in Photoshop, oh, so you do that on the computer? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like it's nothing. Like it's just like it takes the same amount of effort. It's just this different set of skills. Anyway, well, it's it's, a, it's also like different tools. You know, it's you a mean? different set of skill, man. Yeah. Like anyway, all right. Yeah, I'm not gonna. You still need to be able to the talent. You still to need to, to be it. able to do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't just walk into a computer and go, "Hello, computer." Making this image paint a beautiful painting yeah no it's yeah i mean whether you're painting with watercolor or oil or if it's like yes it's on the computer but like you're still it's still a painting like you're still anyway yeah anyway no, I, I won't i'm not gonna subject all of this rant so when we last left off roland child was about to get into the secret colorado quote-unquote center while broom and stegner were also center. trying to get in right. and in the last issue it ended with them being held at gunpoint by roland child's and in that last issue, Stegner also discussed retiring, and I was like, he better not die. And of course, that's the very fucking first thing first that happened thing in this issue. Happened. Stegner defends uh, Broom from Roland Childs, and he gets shots. We've had some deaths that hurt in this series, like Jeroko, yeah. you know, that one kind of hurt. Uh, but I was surprised at how much this one pulled at my heartstrings, because like we yeah. previously learned that Stegner, like, he sits by himself because all of his friends have died. And then he gets like too drunk yeah, and all this, this kind rough. of stuff. Yeah. And then he didn't even he didn't even want to go with Broom on this mission. He was like, "Now I'm getting caught up in your malarkey." And Broom's like, "You're the only one I trust." And so he he went with him, and then he defends he him, up, and he fucking dies. He ended yeah. up being kind of a footnote though, because if you'll notice with me, just briefly, just momentarily, he doesn't die at the end of an issue. He dies at the beginning of right, an issue, which yeah. is very throwaway. Yeah, it is, and it just sucked. I was like, sucks. it kind of pissed me off. Yeah. to be honest, <laughs> it's very just you know. Kind there of was like a, there was a couple points in this series. Like there was some point when I was reading the single issues. Wasteland was one of them. End of Days was another one where I was like, I remember I would tell you, why am I reading this? It yeah. just makes me sad. You were upset. It just makes me sad. Why am I? Why do I keep reading this? <laughs> you every were month? upset. You know what I yeah. mean? And it's like this is this is what I'm talking about here. Anyway. I mean, no, it is kind of just like, it's a little cliche, because he's like, oh, I think I might retire here. Bam. Yeah, I was like, damn it. (laughs) I knew that was going to happen. Quit in country. Just shut up. So, one good thing, I guess, is that his death is quickly avenged. Vavara is out there in the woods. In the last story, it seemed like they were trying to keep Professor Broom and that knowledge from her. So, I was surprised to see her out there. And um, so they, I, he hurt someone that Broom is close to, right? Yes. And so even that Vivara, so Vivara's like thing with Broom even like extends to people that he, yeah. It's almost like that guy hurt his. I don't know if Vivara can feel love, uh, right, but it's yeah. kind of like, but they uh, Vivara has affection for like the Dolly. Right, and so like, was Professor Broom's dolly hurt? Like, it's a very sure, like a weird yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a very sh- immediately. Vivara is like, this is some bullshit, and I'm gonna fuck this guy up. Well, I like when yeah. Child sees her. He's like, who? And she says, a foreign power, you could say. <laughs> uh, yeah. The gun melting is in- just some intense. Oh yeah, artwork. I love that. That's yeah. really good. Very dynamic. <clears throat> and just like Bob Amsel in Hellboy in the BPRD 1952. She just fries this guy. This man you threatened is a friend of mine, which makes you the enemy. Yeah, I think. It's just very, yeah, yeah. it's just, but it's just such a very, I'm something, I'm just kind of obsessed with like her connection to Professor Broom. I'm just really obsessed with that like yeah, dynamic. It's, it's yeah. intense. It's really interesting. 
She always wants to know about what he's doing. And is, you know... They're trying to do all these experiments, and she's like, but what's happening with my favorite person? Right, but it isn't right. even so much like... That's what's interesting. Like, this this interaction specifically is what's so interesting, because up until now, it's just been like, oh, I'm Vivara, I'm obsessed with Professor Broom, but someone that Professor Broom was with and clearly liked was killed. Right. And so Vivara's like, ah, this pisses me off, too. And yes, Professor Broom's life is being threatened. I guess he was aiming for him, and then the other guy got in the way, right? Right. Kind of a thing. Yeah. But Vavar is still like, well, I'm still going to take vengeance on the fact that you tried to hurt him. Yeah. Or harmed someone that was with him. Well, I honestly don't think she cares about Stegner. Sure. I think that she's just really, it's just like, oh, you're pointing the gun at my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. But it hurts, but it hurts him. Still, even no, though no, he yeah. wasn't hit by any bullets, he was still hurt by this interaction. Oh yeah, no, somehow. no, I'm not. I'm not saying anything he said. Yeah. I'm just saying that I just don't think she cares. About no, absolutely. <clears throat> but that's the interesting thing is like, how far does her affection for him really go? Like, it's just such an interesting dynamic. It's really, it's kind of fascinating. So, and, and I get this scene. I, I get what it accomplishes in the story, but it it kind of pissed me off. It's like we're gonna kill Stegner. Then we're going to immediately kill Roland Childs, and then now we're just done with both of those <laughs> those ends. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, well, that's that. And we're wrapped up with both of those characters in just the uh, matter Va- of pages. Vavar is like, bye. And bye. Then, yeah, she's like, well, they're looking for you out here, Broom, so you should be careful. Now I'm going back. I don't know. It kind of pissed me off, to be Wait, honest. Because this is actually the first time we've seen Childs since... Um... Was it Christmas? Ghost Lodge? Moon. Ghost Moon, okay, yeah. Yeah. And wasn't he a main character in that one? Yeah, he was one of them. And yeah. He was kind of one of them, and then I was surprised when he showed up in this one he was a bad guy, and then he immediately gets killed, so, uh, okay. It's weird. <laughs> anyway, Broom leaves because the guards are coming. Then when the guards show up, we show that Moravec is watching them, and Moravec is talking in his walkie-talkie. He says, she is on her way back to you. How many people were sneaking around back here? <laughs> a okay, lot. You've got Stegner and Broom. You've got Vivara back there. You've Rolling got the guards back there. And then fucking Morvek is back there. Of course, they're, I mean, what the... <laughs> so many people are sneaking around it's outside. Uh, around this secret base. It's good. That and, no one knows about. <laughs> yeah, and if I was going to have, like, a secret tattoo, I wouldn't put it on my fucking hand. Right. Like, I wouldn't make it a job well, maybe stopper. It's not a, maybe it's not like a choice, though. Maybe that's part of the binding process. That's what like, I'm saying. Yeah. It's it could to escape give, out of his hand so or to, something. To give you a job stopper. Right. <laughs> it just kind of seems like that's a very obvious, hey, super obvious This guy works it. for the Russian SSS, so I think he's made a commitment. No, I, yeah. you know, that, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything about it. I just mean, like, if you were trying to conceal that. Like if you're undercover. Oh for right, any yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or some gloves for the actual purposes of that tattoo. It right, would seem like yeah. you would put it almost anywhere else. But when Morvek reports in and he says she's on her way back to you, I was like, ah, oh, Aubrey was right. They're doing about some his shit. Yeah, prediction this is the thing. last week. This so you were thing. totally right, Aubrey. Yes. We cut yeah. over to the SSS HQ. This but is the thing they're doing. Vivara is very happy with herself as she enters, and she actually wants to see Skuratov because she wants to thank him. It turns out he told Vivara about Broom, and so she's happy about that um, because she wouldn't want anything to happen to him. Now, they share what, a little look here. Exactly, they they do. There's a lot of little subtle looks here in the artwork by Omin. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you want to see me about? She asks. They click on the radio. And it plays that music, right? So we talked about this. This is a reference to BPRD, Hell on Earth, Cold Day in Hell, which we discussed back on episode 51. What does this say? It's in Russian. Yeah. 
So if we have any Russian listeners, I would love to know. Even people who can can read Russian or whatever. Like I, if I had the correct keyboard, I could type this into Google Translate. You know what? Somebody translated the The Russian on the the Russian on the covers on the Uh, BPRD Hill and Earth covers. I forgot who that was. If you're listening, please. Like I would love to know what this says. So yeah, this is how they take down Vivara. Um, I was surprised that we saw this. I thought it was still going to be a little ways off, but you totally called it, Aubrey. Well, yeah, okay, so if it wasn't going to happen in this particular series, it was definitely going to happen soon because just the way that they were talking and the fact that, you know, like they were having their little secret things, we like, we got to get rid of her kind of thing, right. and then she pops up. And yeah. so... They got really lucky and she got really complacent. Well, is, she said that uh, you told me about um, about Broom. And so she left to go. And so why she le- so he purposely leaked that information to her so because she would leave. That and was so they her can weakness. Get, they can get everything set up, and then she comes back and right, yeah, hmm. yeah. So it seems like the sound it 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 allows them the ability to like restrain her and then put her in the jar. Then they put some sort of cross over it, and Father Melikim he says a prayer. And that's it. And I like how these guys are like, did it work? Are we in danger? <laughs> Damn. Right? <laughs> One guy's hiding behind something. <laughs> right. They say, uh, everybody can rest. It went exactly as planned. And then they say that now they're going to be the chair of the SSS. So Skuratov will be the new director. And Dr. Riza and Father Malikim will assume his responsibilities. So I feel like that's why I feel like they're setting this up for more stuff. Sure. I know that this has been a trying time for us all, Skuratov says, and for too long our work has been hampered by fear and uncertainty, but from this point onward, the Special Science Service will operate at peak efficiency. The past can no longer harm us. The future, comrades, is ours. And we just see Vivara in the jar screaming. I love this panel by Omin. He puts, like, the demon face and her face side by side. It's so good. And then we cut straight to Zhang's vision. But I feel like this is connected story-wise. Like, is this why she... Like, it's almost like this is why she goes so mad at the end of end of Days and into Devil You Know. Yeah. Where she know. becomes the big baddie is because this happened. Well, yeah. I feel like that's what this is kind of... The way that they put them back-to-back. It's almost like when you watch a movie and they put two scenes back-to-back that seem uh-huh. like they don't belong... That they don't have anything to do with each other, but then later it reveals that they do. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Like when the Flash shows up in the Batcave. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was talking about, Aubrey, but anyway. Yeah, so I I kind of like this. It's linking it back to Devil You Know. Um, we get this awesome vision. So now we cut over and we're with Asian Zhang. She's having a vision. She's working with Lindbergh again. And she describes her vision to Lindbergh. So what do we see there? Well, you see her demon form, which we which we find out wasn't really her demon form. It was the one guarding her or protecting her for keeping Rasputin out? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. We see the uh, the wrecked BPRD headquarters, oh, which was is... protecting us yeah. from... from and, wow. Yeah. And wow. we see uh, Hellboy in the Roger casket, and we see the Andrew Jihad. Yeah. Not Andrew Jihad. Is that the Andrew Jihad? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. yeah that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good job there, Aubrey. Can you reference what all those stories are? I think so. It, isn't it all like Hell on Earth and then... No, it's all the devil you know. Yeah, it's devil you know and Hell on Earth. Yeah, because right, yeah. it got destroyed at the end of Hell on Earth. And then all the other See, stuff happened in the you can do you this know. show, Aubrey. You got it. You got it, Thank baby. You. After Zhang describes her vision, she says the girl from the photo is really a demon. Lindbergh thinks she means like Hellboy, but she says it's nothing like Hellboy. 
It's like Hellboy is human on the inside, you know. This thing looks human on the outside, but inside is nothing but rage. And she talks about, I think I saw the future, and he goes, oh, like a nuclear holocaust? Like, super calm. Yeah. Like, if, I don't <laughs> yeah. know, if I thought someone had just seen the future, and they saw something that resembled a nuclear holocaust, I wouldn't be that calm. Be like, oh, like a nuclear holocaust? Just very off the cuff. So calm. He's a little more shocked by her like, hair. Fuck. Yeah, he's like, yeah. what happened to your hair? Oh, no. Like, that is, how is that more shocking? Because that is a very common trope. I mean, how many characters can you think of that this has happened to? Rogue? Well, I was just going to say. Rogue, Jason Todd. I was going to say just like Heather Langenkamp. Heather Langenkamp from, from uh, Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Nancy. my personal fave. Yeah, Nancy no. is number one. She's up there. Yeah, yeah. much love uh, for Nancy on Nightmare on Elm Street. Absolutely. Oh, she gets a white streak in a her hair. A major character from the that, that happens to, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, almost anyone that goes into the Lazarus Pits. Uh, I think it happened to a character on Gargoyles. I mean, oh, I think, I think this you're is, right. I think Terry Moore had a character in one of his books that that happened to. I mean, I think this is like a very pervasive comic books. TV, movies, this happens a lot. So she I don't looks know. Looks good with it though. I like it. Yes, that's why they do it because everyone looks. It looks good. It's cool. <laughs> it's a cool, weird distinction to have. Like, ah, oh, you went through some weird paranormals bullshit. Now you're cool. I don't know. I just feel like his calibration for reaction to things is a little off. Yeah. Zhang says that girl, that demon, she's trapped, imprisoned. That's why she's so angry. But I think that the future visions I saw are what happens when she gets loose again, because she's more powerful than anything I've ever seen. Does Professor Broom know what she really is? Has he been protecting her? So I like this. They're all kind of... Yeah. I think this this series shows a really interesting side to Broom. The 1940s did, too. You kind of see his flaws a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. it's good, though, because he's a, you know, he's a well-rounded right character there yeah we cut back to the bprd hq it is now september 1956 and we see archie and margaret returning from a movie archie mentions the line they're here already you're next and margaret <laughs> says she got nightmares from the pod people oh man invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> yes this is a reference to that 1956 film directed by don siegel and starring kevin mccarthy and dana weiner the film storyline concerns an extraterrestrial invasion that begins in the fictional California town of Santa Mira. Alien plant spores have fallen from space and grown into large seed pods, each one capable of producing a visually identical replacement copy of a human. As each pod reaches full development, it assimilates the physical characteristics, memories, and personalities of each sleeping person placed near it. These duplicates, however, are devoid of all human emotion, and so in the movie, little by little... This doctor uncovers this quiet invasion. And it was remade in the 70s with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. There have been several versions of it. And Archie and Margaret are surprised to see Broom back at the HQ. And Archie's like, come clean. This was just an excuse for you and Stegner to go on a long fishing trip. And Margaret's like, yeah, I need him back on the rotation. But Broom just hangs his head. Stegner is dead, he says. And at first Archie is like, ah, oh, you're saying Stegner is plastered drunk. But Broom reiterates. Jacob Stegner's died in the field. The man is dead. And Broom acknowledges it's his own fault. That, uh, that look on his face when they ask about him right before, like, you know, they start out talking about the, drunk, the, the drinking and then... Right. It's just like, you can just see kind of like that 
that remorse and regret and that heavy feeling weight of guilt on it right on his face yeah yeah i thought that this was a a really powerful scene and they're visibly upset too by the loss of stegner um i did want to mention though that we do see the statue in there it's like a statue it's of a man and he's only got one arm the other arms and legs have been broken off i couldn't find a reference to this and it was making me so angry that i couldn't so if that's a real statue, please uh, point that out to me. But I, I like that there's this parallel because Broom is like feeling guilty and sad about Stegner. And then we cut over to Hellboy in parallel. They're bearing Esteban. Yeah. I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, When Hellboy recounts this tale to Abe, we don't see this in Hellboy in Mexico. He just tells Abe, um, we buried him in a little churchyard not far from here. But the brothers took off after that. I never saw them again. Well, he went to Mexico to escape a loss and to grieve and to kind of like process a loss. And then he's in Mexico and now he's going through another loss. He couldn't escape it. I feel like that's that bottom panel right there is like. He's like, well, fuck. Yeah. And, and okay. So remember what happened. Yeah. Esteban turned into Camazot and Hellboy had to impale him on the wrestling post and kill his friend. Yeah. So that look on his face is, well, it can always be worse. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I like how there's just an entire page of Professor Broom putting a reel onto a thing. Right. Yeah. That's great. Broom has an interesting package for him when he returns to his office. It's not sarcasm either. I sincerely do like this. Oh, no. I do love the pacing of that. I think Matt would like all those. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yes. (laughs) And so, what does he see? Oh, Hellboy, man. Hellboy in a in a luchador mask. He's pissed. <laughs> yeah, he's so mad. Margaret, come in here. Oh, I like how fuck. he. Uh, well, we see this picture with Stegner. He's yeah. got a picture of Stegner on his desk right there. And we and there's that little picture of him and and little Hellboy. I think we've seen that picture before too. Yeah, and isn't that also Archie in the picture with Stegner? Yeah, yeah. Like this whole time you've been in fucking Mexico doing this shit. Like what the shit? Yeah disappointed he's like send any field agents who are on hand to mexico on the first flight available they are to find hellboy and bring him home immediately this has gone on long enough i am very disappointed so we get this amazing chapter five cover by dave johnson i mean look at this yeah it's yes. good i love this look on hellboy right here god this that's is a great. beautiful cover i really love it and i love you can see hellboy's little spats here Oh, yeah. He's free-willing, oh, yeah. happy-go-lucky mm-hmm. guy. His spats are very cool. I think they've never been clearer here. I love the little, like, subtle bubbles coming out of his mouth. It's very and good. Stuff like that. I like Wait. how he's using um, Mexico as a chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aw. I don't mean, like, the country. I just like the way that the map yeah, is Yeah, no, used. it's yeah. super cute. Yeah. yeah, it's good. We open in Jalisco, Mexico in October 1956. Jalisco is a western Mexican state fringing the Pacific Ocean. The state is known for mariachi music and tequila, apparently both of which reportedly originated here. Interesting, I didn't know that. We see agents Gustafsson and Hinojosa. We met them in the last issues in the 1956 series. They're BPRD trainees, and we saw them arguing over the existence of aliens. Um, So they're the two that were sent out to get Hellboy. Gustafsson mentions getting the runs from the food there and so i always hear about this like you don't drink the water when you're in mexico you know i actually did some research on this their city taps are often contaminated by a variety of bacteria 
some of it deadly. According to researchers at the Universidad Nacional Autónoma, Mexico ranks first in the world for gastrointestinal infections from water consumption. Right. Um, so they see this little boy there, and he's like, hey, are you looking for Hellboy? <laughs> if you give me a few pesos, I can show you where he is. Awesome. Nice enterprising young man. There. Yeah, so he leads them to the cinema. I love this scene. Uh, I love that we see the cinema. We go inside, and we see this movie. We see the luchador, Excellent. Lobster Johnson. Yes. And he's oh. on a step pyramid. Awesome. I was like, ah, oh, step pyramid. We've seen those before, like in Frankenstein Underground and stuff like that. So those have actually been referenced within. Good stuff. So uh, we see that Luchador Lobster Johnson. Remember, we saw that. That was referenced in the back of the Iron Prometheus. They showed all the yeah. different versions of the Lobster Johnson, and they talked about that Luchador version. We also saw him in Hellboy Gets Married. Um, so while the agents, uh, they don't spot Hellboy in the theater, but instead up on the screen, dressed as a giant devil. And so I want to point out this panel where they see him and Hellboy's like kind of charging. He's in the stupid devil costume. That is so awesome. And he's charging with the right hand of doom and it says, Rawr! <laughs> so I just want to point out that panel. I want you to remember that panel as we go on um, through these next couple uh, pages. I would love to see somebody cosplay as Hellboy cosplaying as the devil. Oh, that's great! <laughs> awesome. Man, yeah, that's absolutely. a good one. That's great. That's you wouldn't genius. have to make the whole costume either. You too. wouldn't, like you could yeah. just make like parts of it and right. get away with it. That's great. And so we have a flashback. I don't know if you caught this. So we were in uh, October with the two agents, and now we're two months earlier in August of 1956. Hellboy is brought to a Mexican movie producer by the Luchador Lobster. And he's like, come on, Jefe, look at him. Who's, who's better to play the devil? And he's like, all right, but if this doesn't work out, it's coming out of your pay. And he's like, Hellboy, you're going to be a star. They're both getting trashed as they're talking. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So then we cut to August 20th, and they're still drinking. They're all drunk. They're in their stupid costumes from the movie. The director's like, I said we're going to try that again. So it obviously hasn't been going well. Hellboy's, you know, he's obviously drunk. You can see the little bubbles over his head to indicate that he's been imbibing too much. And he throws the bottle, and they say, an action, and here's that panel, yep. where he's charging at the thing. But what really happens is he crashes into the camera, and he oh, knocks geez. it over. And then the director's like, this is all day, you know? We've only had one usable shot so far. He says, you're wasting my time and the company's money. The cameraman, he says, maybe we'll get lucky, and next time he trips, he'll land in Montezuma's lost treasure. I had to look this up. One legend of Montezuma's treasure tells... Of the 1520 imprisonment of Montezuma by Spanish conquistadors, with the conquistadors demanding a ransom in gold, runners were dispatched to warn tribes of, to hide their treasures. However, none of the histories of the conquests say that Montezuma was ever held for ransom by conquistadors or that any of the people were told to hide their treasure. There was a labyrinth found in modern times at the Casa Grande ruins, and that led to speculation that there might be some of the fabled treasure, but there's been extensive excavation and they haven't found anything. Thomas Penfield wrote in an article, Dig Here, Lost Mines, and Buried Treasure in the Southwest. There is not the slimmest thread of reality in this story, which is common throughout Mexico and the southwestern United States. There are some puzzling aspects, but the story, nevertheless, adds up to pure legend. But then we see Hellboy and he's like, there's treasure. And then we cut to, it says September 1st. And we see him fighting these conquistador zombies. Do you know what that is? That's from when he got married. <laughs> That's from when Hellboy gets married. So, like, did he go off with the lobster to find the treasure? Is that what this is saying? That's awesome. Uh -huh. 
Because he's like, treasure, and then we cut to this. Ah. You know what I mean? So I was like, what <laughs> What the heck? He really was, you know, pretty impaired during that time. Awesome. Yeah. So we cut to October 16th. We see that the agents are still looking for Hellboy. And we cut to October 31st. This is a beautiful, beautifully colored scene by Dave Stewart. Awesome artwork by Mike Norton as well. Yeah. The people of Mexico are preparing for Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos, a Mexican holiday celebrated in Mexico and elsewhere associated with the Catholic celebrations of All Saints Day and All Souls Day and is held on November 1st and 2nd. The multi-day holiday involves family and friends gathering to pray for and to remember friends and family members who have died is commonly portrayed as a day of celebration rather than mourning. Hey. <clears throat> rather hey. than mourning. As long as we remember them, they're not really gone. There you go, That's yeah. What he said. It's in oh. there, yeah. They actually say it. The thing that I had said earlier. And they explain it to Hellboy. He's there getting drunk, and he's like, what is this all about? Are y'all preparing for some kind of party? And so they mention it to him. This man asks Hellboy, um, perhaps you have someone special to remember on this day. And he's like, maybe... Then I hope they come visit you, too. Aw, I like this guy. He's so sweet. And as Hellboy's walking along all drunk, a little dog comes up to him. A little dog. And it, like, tackles him and knocks him down. Sweet baby. Yeah. And when he falls down, he also smashes his bottle. Yes. Right. The baby. And he says, yeah, Mac used to give me that look, too. Aw. That's good. That's a good illustration of the way a dog looks at you. Yeah. The little head tilt and the ear and everything. Yeah. Good job yes. there, Mike Norton, with the animal body language. It's wonderful. And the facial expression, so sweet. And Hellboy's like, I'm sorry, I don't have any treats for you. Maybe you can get something from one of those ghosts, huh? I've never been to a funeral before, so I didn't know if I was doing it right when I buried Mac. Esteban's brothers prayed when we buried him in that churchyard, but I didn't know what to say. And he picks up a calavera, or a sugar skull. This is a representation of a human skull. The term is often applied to edible or decorative skulls made for the Mexican celebration of Day of the Dead. And he's like, anyway, whatever. And he just goes and he keeps getting drunk. Okay, so I, to me, I kind of took it as like that dog, Mac was communicating to that dog and like the smashing of the bottle and all that. And of course he does, it goes and gets another one and starts to get drunk. But I mean, I feel like that's kind of the start of him coming to a census when the coming back yeah. right yeah 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 i like that aubrey good job because it came right after this conversation that this guy had had with like oh you know aren't you remembering someone special on this day i hope they come visit you and like yeah. literally right after that this pup comes up yeah that's and a he's cute thing oh well mac used to look at me like that and all this stuff so yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there i think yeah. that's absolutely what that's supposed to represent and we cut to hellboy still getting drunk late into the night at a saloon, and this is where the agents find him. And he's like, hell, but the first thing he says is, what's with those stupid-looking get-up? Because now they've got all the new uniforms and everything. We cut back to the BPRD headquarters in Fairfield, Connecticut. It's November 1956, and Hellboy's back home now. Um, I was looking at this poster that says Spooks. I don't know what that is. Let oh, me know. Wow. I yeah, didn't let, even notice that. Let me know if, you, if, that's, if that's a reference to something. We see the little picture of little Hellboy and Mac. He's got it Aww, framed so now. Sweet. And Professor Broom comes in and he's like, all right, this has gone on long enough. You need to get dick. back to work. What a fucking dick. And Hellboy's like, I'm coming already. And he's like, mind your tone. If you were any other agent and you managed for that long, you would not have been welcome back. And he's like, I'm sorry, Professor. I just had to deal with some stuff. Yes, well, you're not alone on that count. Professor Broom responds. What the fuck? 
And then we see Archie. So he still doesn't tell him. That's fucking. He still hasn't been able to talk to anybody about the death of his dog. Yeah, but yeah. also I kind of feel like if you're someone's father figure, your whatever child disappears. Eleven year old. For a super long time and goes on a bender and is clearly upset and is like, you know, sequestering themselves in their room and stuff. And you're just like, all right, snap out of it. This is I why I can't believe you did that and all yeah. this shit. Like, are you kidding me? Like, there's clearly something going on there. Well, I just assume it was like because of uh, being in the 1950s and that's how kind of people just were. But you more. wouldn't think you wouldn't think to be like, hey, something's going on with my son. Like, I should talk to them about this maybe some you know maybe they're going <clears throat> through something like you're well, not worried about them at all well and i think also broom it's is dealing him. with his own shit too with having caused the death of so many agents and feeling shitty about it. yeah but him. the snap out of it bullshit of yeah. like did you ever think that maybe they're the ones who are suffering the most in this situation that like yeah maybe you're being slightly inconvenienced by this but did you ever think that like yeah maybe they're fucking going through it yeah. yeah. That's fucking bullshit. Well, I mean, to even further serve how out of touch he is, we get this next scene where we see Archie and Margaret, God. and Hellboy's like, oh, they're a couple now? How long has that been going on? And Professor Broom is like, are they? God. It's so, been like, going on the whole year. So Professor. obvious. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's and, very. And yeah. Hellboy has barely been back, and he's already picked up on it, where Broom Professor has been there Broom the is... entire time and doesn't know he's what the like, shit oh, is going well, on. I guess. I is, that, is that going on, really? Broom says, look, Hellboy, I won't pretend to understand what's been going on with you. But now's but a good time now, for me to ask, what's going on with you? Yes. How are you feeling? <laughs> let's, let's, t- I know I haven't been there for you, but you can always open up to me and talk to me about whatever you need to. That would have been a perfect you fucking opportunity. That. You didn't say any of that. I don't pretend to know what's going on with you, and I don't fucking want to know. Get your shit together. What an asshole. Yeah. And he says, but he does says, I am very glad to have you safely back at home, son. And he looks like he wants to say something. He, yeah, does. there's this, this moment where you think that panel. he's going to tell him, and God, that sucks. Yeah. yeah, and at the in there, like the last panel on that page is the saddest thing I think I've ever fucking seen. Yeah, like God. Really, we cut over to the Special Science Service headquarters, and we get this little wrap up here. Now that Vavara has been imprisoned, Skuratov has his plans with Moravec and Rabane. Here we see them training against people and skuratov says we will be ready so i feel like yeah there's going to be a 1957 because they're right. they're gearing up for something we also had all those visions from jiang where we saw someone in a bprd shirt with long hair and we yeah. were like who the fuck is that and you yeah. know what i mean so like none of that stuff is, is paid off yet but it also says like um they're prepared to move on the next stage of the noon witch project oh right which, um, if i remember correctly like they were set to do it but before just like no nah, i don't want to do it and we saw that weird picture of all those like red triangles coming out of a dude yeah. and it was, mm-hmm. that was the noon witch so like what is that all about i'm really interested in what becomes of that part of the storyline we also wrap up with Susan Zhang and her story, and she meets with Broom, and she isn't too happy. I've seen the photo of the girl beside Bob Amsel's burned body. I had another vision of her a few weeks ago, and it's been haunting me ever since. I can't stop thinking about that terrible power, that horrible rage. Lindbergh and I have been digging into it, and the only thing we know for sure is that it's not just some little girl. You know what she really is, don't you? She tells Broom. So why are you keeping it a secret? And she actually, like, leans across the desk and, like, points at him. He says, 
you're just gonna have to trust me susan i have my reasons and she's like fine have it your way but Lindbergh and i are gonna keep looking into this and we will get to the bottom of it i promise you that and we just end on broom looking so bummed out i was like yeah we're we're back in the bprd now i'm yeah. bummed out at the end of the story <laughs> yeah some bummed out stuff happened to me but it was good i like when yeah. i got to the end of this one i was like man that was fucking good but I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah. You're right, though. There's got to be at least one, maybe two more years left that they got to talk about. Because, right. Because you got all this stuff going on with the Noon Winch and the SSS and then the um, yeah the whole thing with the um, the guys in the future BPRD headquarters. I can't remember what they're called right now. Right. The center. Oh, you're yeah. right. Yeah. We got to see what pays off with that. Yeah. I mean, I've been loving it. I'm enjoying all this stuff. Are we going to read this next one? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Uh, so we have one more story left to cover in this 1956 trade, and that's Hellboy versus Lobster Johnson, The Ring of Death. This is a short story published May 29th, 2019. The one shot included the story Down Mexico Way as a backup feature, which we're also going to discuss. Written by Mike Mignola and Chris Robertson. Illustrated by Mike Norton. Colored by Dave Stewart. Lettered by Clem Robbins. And edited by Katie O'Brien. And a cover that could body slam you. Paulo Rivera just topping himself every time he does another cover for this series. When the promo for this issue came out and people saw this cover, fanboys were losing their minds. Yeah. And uh, this is so awesome. I love this cover. It's super good. I like how Hellboy's kind of got that um, Ron Perlman look. Yeah, right he really does. I love the way Rivera did that version of Hellboy. But gave him regular teeth instead of those. Oh, the big chompers. Like yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> For a story that's in a trade that's called 1956, it's interesting that this story takes place in January 1962. Well, it's actually the frame story takes place in 62, but the uh, the actual... Well, we're going to talk about this. No, it's good. It's good. It's good I like point. it. No, um, I like that. No, no, I like it. I like it. It's good stuff. And uh, this is seven years past the time period that we've been covering, and we see Victor Kostler. Uh, we've mostly seen him as a little kid. And he's got the astral projection monkey powers. That's oh, him. Okay. Yeah. And so now he's older. He's drinking with Hellboy. They're like watching how, some TV. I like how casually they're holding their beer bottles. Like, oh, that's yeah. how you would hold a the beer. The way Hellboy yeah. holds it. That's yeah, how you hold a beer sometimes. Cool. You know, it's fun. And Victor wants to see what's on the Late Show tonight. They've got their they've got their VPRD T-shirts. On. Yeah. Hellboy says if it's another cowboy flick, he's out. But the TV announcer says. Coming up next, a masked wrestler faces off against the devil himself in Lobster Johnson and the Ring of Death. And Victor's like, sounds like it could be a laugh. I don't know, Vic. I like the title card. It's very, it just looks very like, Lobster Johnson and the Ring of Death. It's very, you know what I mean? So, one thing I I have to point out, because I'm a nerd, this is actually the musical notation for... Dun, 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 dun. I love it. Oh, Amazing. Nice. That's it. That's the little thing that's that fantastic. would play or something like that. I don't know if I got that totally right. Um, but that's totally like the jingle that would be, that's you know, great. on that kind of old timey yeah. title card. <laughs> and so we go into the movie. This is the movie that so they filmed. I'm glad filled. we have an actual musician here to tell us yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> we would have missed out on that. That's great. That's a great detail. Mike Norton or whoever put that in there. That's incredible. That's fantastic. So we get to see the movie. This is the movie they this were shooting so awesome. in 1956. And so I love this. Describe this. All right. So you open up on a black car, drive it at night. There's a woman driver. You see the passenger. It's a skeleton or a, a withered It's in driver. the back seat here. Yeah. 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 Car stops. Almost a skeleton. She opens the door, says, we have arrived. 
out steps Lobster Johnson. Yeah. So let's talk about this because... But Lobster Johnson is a... Luchador. Luchador, Luchador yeah. version. But, like, we've had the ghost of Lobster Johnson and stuff like that. Like, I like in this weird Luchador version... First, I, I love this movie already. Just oh, the yeah. way right. it starts it's off incredible. With the woman in the car and the corpse in the backseat. And then it's the lobster. God, that's so brilliant. And then also remember... Um, he was in one of the Lobster Johnson or something. We had that whole long text page. Yes. And it talked about like the, the movies would usually start with him and like as a corpse or something. Oh, you're right. And then he'd get out and be lost. And then, yeah. So I forgot That's about that. Cool. Aubrey. I got to go back and read that again. I should have read it before this. So I think it's uh, in the Iron Prometheus. Um, something so, about this is like the way that it's quote unquote shot, like the angles. Of yes, oh, it's it's wonderful. It's Mike Norton like, really captures that style. I was gonna say it's very like like Tarantino esque. Yeah, I suppose yeah. I don't know. Like there's something about it that's very yeah, kind of that. Um, I don't want to say spaghetti western because those were Italian. Right, <laughs> right, but it's but yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. About. So lobster comes out. And there's this local, he says, a great evil has taken root here, senor. It is the devil himself. And so we see this one shot of Hellboy in the getup and the little bats there on strings and all that. I love all those little details right there. And so I want to point out this shot. So this is like the menacing shot of Hellboy in the getup. So then we see all the luchador henchmen. They're like in their skeleton outfits. I love those skeleton outfits. Those are so cool. That's so awesome. They have the the man, and then they have his daughter, too. Oh, so I noticed the daughter's name is Ophelia. I wonder if that was a reference to Pan's Labyrinth. I just recently watched that, but that's oh, the name of the little wow. girl. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro yeah, has yeah. relation to the Hellboy. It could be totally, and but I just rewatched that movie. That movie is fucking amazing. Right, it is yeah. so good. God, I, I every time I watch it, I can't believe how good it is, and I always fucking cry at the end of yeah, that movie. Um, yeah. But it's so it's good. God, that movie, anyway, I could... <sighs> Ah, it's anyway, no, it's intense. Fuck, I love it's that intense. movie. I'm going to watch it again. All right. <laughs> so then she's like, I'm not afraid, father. And then we cut over and we see that. Sh- that's the shot of Hellboy going yeah, rawr, the- that we right before he bumped into the camera <laughs> and knocked it over. So we see that shot there. Remember, he was like, I only got one good shot out of this whole day. Right. So that's th- those are two shots so far that we've seen. The henchman says, our master has plans for you. I, too, have a plan. I plan to send you devils back to the pit that spawned you. And it's the lobster, Luchador. So the lobster says, release these people at once. And then we see that menacing shot. It's the same shot again. It's the same exact shot. They show it. I love that Mike Norton uses... When I was reading this the first time, I was like, wait, wait a second. Did they literally use the same artwork again? But they did. That's good. So we cut over and we see Hellboy, but it's from the back, right? Right. And it's clearly not him. It's not. It's you like can... a stand. It's like a different actor, like a bo- like oh, yeah. quote unquote body double, but it's a different actor that's you, you from tell, behind. You like can it's... tell the right hand of doom is a glove. Yeah, it's supposed <laughs> to be the same character, <laughs> right? But it's clearly not so, the same person. So whenever we see the devil, like he's grabbing this woman right here, it's from behind. We don't see the face. I mean, he's not even the same build. I mean, he's not even close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not the same guy. So then we have this scene where the luchador lobster he fights all the henchmen. And we get some great action here. Um, I just love all the uh, kind of old school wrestler moves. You can kind of see yeah, that. Good stuff. You know, Mike Norton obviously like researched all of this. I like when he gets like the guy on both sides of the neck. Yeah. Or whatever. That's like one of those moves, right? Wait, what are, where are we talking about? Like he's chopping it? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You would see people do that in those old like uh, 
I don't know. It just seems like very choreographed and yeah, kind absolutely. of like, you know, yeah. they're sure. just kind of like tumbling around and stuff. Right. Good stuff. I really like all this. And so he knocks them all out. So fall all enemies of justice. Nice. I love this lobster. He's great. He's oh, great. Yeah. He's great. So he unties the mayor. That's who this guy is. But he's like, oh, my daughter Ophelia is still with the monster. Legends speak of a ruined temple in the woods beyond the village, where dark rites were performed in ancient times. So then we see the lobster going out there, and we have all the bats. They're like on little strings and stuff <laughs> like that. This is so great. It's awesome. And we see the step pyramid. And just like I mentioned before, step pyramids have actually been featured in the Hellboy stories as places with mystical properties. So I thought it was pretty cool how it's incorporated even here. And then the top of the step pyramid is a fucking wrestling ring. <laughs> so awesome. That is the best thing ever. And so, yeah, we just see the Hellboy from behind, and when he turns around, it's that same shot again, the menacing shot. It's like, how many times are they going to use that in this? It's so funny. They only got those uh, two shots, it seems like. So the lobster enters the ring, and we see uh, the gloved, the fake gloved Hellboy. He's got a knife, right? I guess that's what he was going to use on the woman. So we know there's a knife there, right? (laughs) And then uh, within the same page, they use that charging shot like twice, where he's like, rawr! <laughs> it's so funny. And while he's tangling with the lobster here, like we can't see his face. And then there's even this one shot where you can clearly see the right hand of Doom is sewn together. Amazing. You I can love see it. the stitching on there and stuff it's like that. I love how they yeah. like <laughs> stuffing. Yeah, it's good. This I love one. how they included that detail it's good right here. to this even one? put the little stitching. Oh, I was talking about... Uh, oh, yeah, there's, but there's yeah. a lot of good shots of it. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good yeah, one. The yeah. stitching. Yeah, that's good. See, now I want to see somebody cosplay as this guy who's the Hellboy stand-in. Yeah. Oh, right. That, yeah. Oh, that would <laughs> Just be incredible. The, I could do that. I could totally do that. That would be great. But you need a guy to be like the lobster wrestler guy. Right, so yeah. Else it doesn't make sense. And then they use this shot again, the menacing shot again, where he's like, <laughs> the day will come, all who walk or crawl upon this world will kneel and call me master. Pity that you will not live long enough to witness my ultimate triumph, Hellboy, the devil says to the lobster, but then he gets cut. Uh, the woman, she got the knife, right? She was able to get out. But the like the glove, uh, the sewn up glove that's supposed to be the right hand, like obscures the face. Of every the time, actor that's yeah, it's, it's, it's so that's good. Great. They managed to cover his face really like good. every time we're shown from the back. It's so great. So then the lobster, he jumps on him, and he says, "The good men and women of this world will never yield to the likes of you, not so long as we stand on the side of justice." And he's gonna break the horns. But they're just like, you can tell they're just like... He's ripping off stitching. <laughs> right. They're like, it's just got fluff in there or something. Like, it's all malleable as he squeezes it. You know what Incredible. I mean? Yeah. Um, but he's yeah. supposed to be cracking the horns off. And then when he cracks them, then there's just a skeleton left. There's a what? A skeleton. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We got to get skeleton in here on this episode. Man, I love this. That was so great how they did that. I like how it says crack, but it's clearly just like ripping. ripping it, yeah. <laughs> so then Ophelia is safe. She comes to her father. Lobster Johnson, how can we ever repay you? The only reward I seek is for each of you to pledge eternal vigilance against the forces of evil. I need a more dramatic reading on that. The only reward I seek is for each of you to pledge eternal vigilance against the forces of evil. Stay strong, my friends. The devil has no power against us if we stand together. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Until we meet again. And the lobster gets in his limo. The woman drives off and then we see it's a corpse again. 
D. I fucking I love, love that. God, that is so cool. So you know how like uh, people have done like animations, like people have done the pancakes or the the troll witch. Oh yeah, yeah. So I want to see somebody do this. one. Yeah, <laughs> somebody do this one. That would be so great. You would only need two shots of Hellboy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I thought that was so funny where he's like, we only got one good shot out of this. And then you see it. You see the movie that they really did only get like two shots of Hellboy that worked. You know, and one of them is right before he's going to knock over the camera. Anyway, I just love how they tied it all together between the Hellboy in Mexico and the 1956. And then this issue, it's just like, ah, the continuity is just so satisfied. I'm like, num, 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 num. That's great. Oh, man. After it's over, Victor is like, HB, that was amazing. Who knew we had a genuine movie star right in our midst? And Hellboy's like, lay off, Vic. Wait till I tell Archie. He's not going to believe this. You don't know the half of it, kid, Hellboy says. (laughs) And then we see uh, that little we conclude our broadcast day. Do you remember that? When the TV station would actually end for the night? Yeah, they would uh, have the flag, play a song, and then just snow for six hours. (laughs) Oh, I didn't mention this either. There's a Joe DiMaggio poster in the background. So he's a famous baseball player. I didn't do all the trivia. Y'all can Google Joe DiMaggio. Um, I just didn't want people to go like, you didn't mention that. Anyway, we also have Down Mexico Way. This is a short story that was published as a backup feature in Hellboy vs. Lobster Johnson, The Ring of Death. One shot. So these were both in the same comic. Written by Mike Mignola and Chris Robertson. Illustrated by Paul Grist. And colored by Bill Crabtree. We've got the Visitor Crew. Back on Duties, lettered by Clem Robbins and edited by Katie O'Brien. So I love this. I love getting the visitor crew back on for this little short story. Yeah, that's excellent. We see Michael Mathers, and he's in his like white suit that we always see him in. And he's like, the subject has been missing from his duties for some time now. I have traveled to his last known position in search of him. He was not difficult to locate. And so he finds Hellboy while they're trying to film this stupid movie. <laughs> and we see the we see the bats on the little like strings and all that stuff. They're like move towards the camera like you're attacking and then we get that rar again. Um but it's kind of weird because this time something different happens. So I wondered like when we saw it in 1956 he knocked over the camera. And in this one he just trips and then he like throws up all over himself. Maybe this was a different take. Maybe it was a different take, <laughs> right? Um, but we do get that raw panel again, so I thought that was kind of funny. I can't wait to see your collage of it this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the visitor says, I have seen enough. That's where we get the director saying, just put somebody else in the suit and shoot around it. And there we see he's kind of like thrown up on himself. I thought that was a Ugh. cool little detail right there. The Paul Grist artwork just kills I me. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. it was really good. I love this panel where the director is like, about to direct him, and he's got all these like little. I mean, look at him. He looks so he trashed looks right there. <laughs> anyway, it's a humorous thing. And then, so the visitor, as he walks off, he says, Perhaps I was wrong about the subject's potential for redemption after all. Damn, that's cold. So, is this where the visitor left Hellboy? Because he was oh. following him, and then we don't see him again till Conquer Worm. So, is this like literally where he was like, uh, I guess he's not going to be great? I don't remember. He's just a schmuck. <laughs> i honestly don't remember right now you know what i mean isn't yeah, that funny uh, yeah i think it's interesting how they wrap it up like that it's almost like he's like i'm going home to my wife i'm tired of this shit <laughs> like when they when they revealed that uh how nick fury lost his eye in the movies you know what oh, i mean right like i feel like this is kind of like this is why the visitor gave up on hellboy he was like i just saw him in mexico getting drunk and throwing up on himself good stuff i love this sketchbook section 
Um, we get some great drawings by Mike Norton of Hellboy in the costume. That's so good. That's a great costume. You're absolutely right, man. Someone's got to make that. You wouldn't even have to do the horns. <laughs> you just have to paint your face and right. wear the costume and or, have a right hand of doom. Or you can get like one of those like uh, pre-molded uh, Hellboy masks. Yeah. And then just put the rest of the costume around it. We also get um, some great layouts by Mike Norton. We get to, We get to see his pencils and his inks, which I really like. I love seeing the process work here. We also get Yishan Lee's roughs on that double-page splash that we saw in the 1956 series. That's so good. Yeah. We also get some of Michael Avon Oming's pencils. I like how he just put big Russian paintings. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a scene um, where they're standing behind that painting that you... Uh, yeah, have. the yeah. Four Horsemen. Yeah, so yeah, big Russian painting. We also get some different examples of Dave Johnson's covers. I like seeing this process as well. Um, some different layouts as well for Paulo Rivera designing that awesome cover to Hellboy vs. Lobster Johnson. What a great idea to do the issue of the stupid, you know, uh, Luchador movie that's and stuff so like that. Good, though. And look at him painting this thing, man. I mean, yeah. God, that's incredible. That is so cool. That'd be kind of a cool uh, poster to have up, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. It, we uh, need a movie, print of this one. Yeah, like movie movie poster size. Oh yeah, movie poster size. That would be great. And then we get some more. Um, these are some different examples of Adam Hughes for the cover. He did an awesome cover for it. Um, I like this one where Hellboy's kind of like he's drunk with the sombrero, and then we see Vivara behind him and the demon. That would have been a cool one too. Oh uh, yeah. I'm always like, I want to see what that one would have looked like. <laughs> what a great way to wrap up um, this awesome series. And uh, yeah, I've really been enjoying the 1956 series. I'm really happy with, uh, you know, where we are and uh, all that we've been able to accomplish. So anyway, I also want to thank Aubrey and Danielle for Aww. being here Aww. every single week. You know, like we lost the first 15 minutes of this episode before we started recording <laughs> because of a fucking error that a stupid error that I made. So, damn, you know, at least we caught it. 100 and, 141 weeks over three years almost. Gosh, you guys, that's awesome. And we're not done yet. You know, we've got a lot of more stuff to cover. But as far as canon, wow, we're wrapped up, I man. I got it. Wow. I mean, we still got like a um, com- couple commentaries to do. To yeah, that. yeah. We definitely yeah. we definitely have a lot of stuff to do. I want to do some more interviews as well. So, you know, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what the future of the podcast is because I have a lot of ideas. Um, the book club isn't going anywhere. We're, we're, we're going to stick around. So don't be worried. But I, I do have some ideas of where I want to go next. But that's for future discussion. You're all still book club members. We're still doing book club stuff. Just keep an eye out. Keep, yeah. Watch this space. Yeah, there you go. You'll you'll see plenty of stuff on the horizon, but um, plenty of more Hellboy content to cover. And I'm so excited for this episode. I'm excited to be where we're at, man. Wow. That's so exciting. I honestly can't believe we got to the end of the trades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And thank you all the listeners for being along with us for all yes. these episodes. And for friendship. For all the friendship. Yeah. That's right. Let's take care of each other. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. So I guess this is 141 times of saying all the things. <laughs> Hellboy the BPRD, 1956. Tell us what you thought of that story. But also, want to hear your thoughts on the uh, Hellboy versus Lobster Johnson, the Ring of Death. Yes. That, that was so fun, to be honest with you. Uh, you can share us your thoughts by sending us at heyyoudamnguys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website, 
our Facebook About section, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Gartahan for the theme music. Thank you, Paul. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Mark, for helping John craft. Holy this shit, Mark Tweedo! Yes, yeah, thank absolutely. you, man. We did it, Mark. Holy uh, shit, man! <laughs> thank you, John, for editing and steering this ship and just keeping <laughs> us going. Uh, thank you, Danielle, for being awesome and I don't amazing. Do anything. Thank you, though. but but you do. And uh, if you've been enjoying the show these last 141 episodes, uh, uh, why don't you give us a rating on iTunes? Open it up. Give us a five star rating. That'd be super awesome if you did that. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, you can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we're doing another commentary. We are doing Hellboy Animated Sword of Storms. So you know what to do. Get a digital copy. Pull out your old DVDs. Uh, they've been released on Blu-ray? Yeah. Get out the Blu-ray. Storm of Swords. And join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, uh, what's up with the stupid looking getup? up <laughs> <laughs>